Welcome back to Gold Ribbon Conversations, the podcast created to support families fighting childhood cancer in Ireland. Six children, adolescents and young adults are diagnosed with cancer every week in Ireland and the Gold Ribbon, which illuminates precious light, love, courage and compassion, is a symbol of strength and solidarity for each and every one. My name is Sinead O'Moore and it is my privilege to bring you this podcast on behalf of Childhood Cancer Ireland, a charity founded by and led by parents of children with cancer and survivors who know that one of the greatest sources of strength for this fight is conversation. Throughout this podcast, I talk to families impacted by childhood cancer, as well as the experts who care for our children's health, education and happiness. Yes, we talk about the fear and the pain, but we also talk about the hope and the friendship and the community that exists here because you are not alone. Childhood Cancer Ireland values every single donation while on its mission to help more children, adolescents and young adults survive cancer and thrive as adults and support all those dealing with the long-term effects of illness and trauma. You can help by sharing this podcast and by texting GOLD to 50300 and donating €4 Euro or visit childhoodcancer.ie for more. This episode discusses the loss of a child to cancer. While this conversation is essential for families who have experienced this grief, it may be understandably upsetting. And so we encourage you to protect your emotional well-being. You'll find a link to Anamkara Bereavement Support for Parents in the show notes. In today's episode, I'm joined by author of the Adam's Cloud books, Benji Bennett. Benji's son, Adam, died of a brain tumour aged four in 2007. Through his grief, Benji channeled his emotion into creating the immensely successful and beautiful Adam's Cloud series of books as a way to encourage parents to spend quality time with their children. Here, we talk about the legacy of grief, how as parents they changed, how they supported their children through loss, and how Benji made a very clear decision about how he wanted to live after Adam. Benji, thank you so much for joining me on Gold Ribbon Conversations. I am a huge admirer of your books, as are my children, but more so even the message that they bring to us, which is that no parent knows what's to come and every child deserves those extra 10 minutes, those extra hugs and kisses, those extra moments of connection. We are all so busy and there are a million things pulling us in different directions. But when I see your books on my children's bookshelf, that's what I feel when I sit down and read it to them. So personally, mother to father, thank you for creating them. Well, thank you for reading them and for uh, having Adam in your home <laughs> so uh, it's um it's a it's a privilege and an honor and of course it's a it's been inspired by um you know adam the life that we had and the time that we spent with them so um something something positive has to come out of, of every bad situation and um that's probably one of the most important things that there is for us we lost adam of course it was we didn't have that chance to fight. Um, he was here on a Friday and gone on a Saturday or on a Monday very suddenly. So when 
when we look at the you know the wrecking ball that hit our family we had the post i suppose cancer fight which was to save our own family from you know cancer because as much as adam physically died from it there was that whole emotional and mental and grief part of cancer that we had to fight unfortunately and a lot of people who are listening you know the stats are always good that you know there's a very strong possibility with all the medicines now that things are a better outcome and um so yes we 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 fought and uh, the, the the books um that i wrote um us having our fourth child molly after adam died um the the spiritual energy that we get from adam the happiness and the positivity that's been our medicine that's been our chemotherapy that we needed and that and and that medicine is is love respect and i always kind of say love hopes and kisses because that's that's all we got left so you know hopefully you know, you know, most children can can survive this, and it's it's one of those things that makes them stronger. It makes it stronger as a family, and you look back and you go, "Wow, you know, God, we got through that, and that was that was a, a, a wake up call for for us as a family." And then there's the other people on my side of of cancer, which is, okay, you know, we we either fought or lost, or we didn't have a chance to fight because it was so quickly. And then, and and that's the side that I'm on. But positivity is the only thing that will will help you beat the post cancer, um, of and and that's grief. And yeah, so was it a long journey to arrive at some positives? For us, no, and that's why the message came so instantly to instantly to me, and that's what gave us this strength immediately so and that's why I'm always saying it to people because the moment we lost Adam it was very much we spent the time with him um you know Adam would say to me and Harry of course dad will you you know do you want to kick a ball and it would be the middle of February at seven or eight o'clock at night after work on a, on a, on a Tuesday and you're you're, you're exhausted and nine times out of ten, well, eight times out of ten, I'd say, um, you know, yeah, sure. And then one or two times out of ten, you know, I might say, I'm very tired. And Jackie would go, ah, go on, Ben. She give me that extra push. You know, go on. It's they, they, they love that. And I would go out. And then there's only kind of that one time out of ten where it's like, guys, it's absolutely, you know, it's it's thunder and lightning outside. You know, we'll do something else instead. So those kind of moments are the ones that I am eternally grateful for. So the positivity didn't take anything to arrive at. The positivity was already there right from the beginning. So the the time that we spent, the going out and kicking that ball, the walks on the beach, the walks in the parks, the reading, the stories, the hugs, the kisses, the giggles, the laughs, the jokes, the, the family movies, you know, go and sing a song, the entertainment. And we'd all get up and we do our family show after dinner. All of those kind of interactions, that's where the positivity. So it didn't take us any time to arrive at it. Of course, we were, you know, incredibly, you know, as everybody would say, heartbroken, devastated, fearful, 
desperate for answers, desperate to know could we survive it. <clears throat> but we immediately knew at the moment we lost Adam, we're, we were still in the hospital and we were just told he is gone now. And because he died very peacefully. And there was immediately what struck me was that, well, how much I loved my wife and how much we worked together as a unit, um, but also fearful of how this could separate us because grief has its way of driving you apart. And I remember thinking, I, I say this in every interview we do, I turned to Jackie, I said, you know, we'll be okay. We told Adam we loved him every day. We spent time with them and we packed a lifetime worth of love and happiness in that short time that he was here. Um, and we have to remind every parent about the importance of spending that time with them. And that's the message. And that message came. <laughs> Adam died on my birthday, 13th of August. Literally a ray of light when he was born came in and shone on his head when he popped out. And a ray of light at 6.30 in the morning when, when he died literally came in the window and filled up the room. So, so there was always that special energy there and that spirituality and you, you search for any sign. And there's plenty of signs if you're happy to witness them and, and open your heart to them. And, and, and that was it. I said, OK, well, this is what we have to do now. We just have to remind parents and, and help them, you know, create a lovely environment where the children are safe and secure and happy. They know that they're loved and you spend time with them because your children are going to, you know, you're going to lose your children one way or the other. They're going to grow up, get married and have their own kids. And, and when they're teenagers, they hardly want to know about you, as every parent will tell you. Thankfully, we have a lovely relationship with the kids still as teenagers and we have great chats and, we, you know, we know what's going on. Um, and that all stems from those early years that we that we've had with them. Childhood Cancer Ireland knows that it can take a long time for parents to heal from the trauma that a childhood cancer diagnosis brings. You may leave the experience feeling stuck, in high alert mode, and disconnected from your old life and relationships. Our new parent workshops, delivered by senior clinical psychologist Dr. Mairead Brennan and child and adolescent psychotherapist Debbie Cullinan, have been created to help you process the experience and begin to take steps forward. Our day-long workshops are happening around Ireland this year with refreshments and lunch provided and we can also provide financial assistance with travel costs. To find out more about our free workshops, visit childhoodcancer.ie or find the link in our show notes. As you said, it can separate you, it consumes you. It can alter mm. every day forward. Yeah. Um, and alter not just you, but alter the lives of your children and mm. how they will approach the concept of death entering their homes yeah. and unknown illness and the anxieties that may may rise through that. Yeah. No doubt all of this was playing out. You know, every moment is different. Every day is different and emotions do come to the surface. Yeah. How did you try to prepare them for this new life? Um, 
of course it's impossible. You know, it, it, it is, it is, I don't know if there's a right or wrong way. You, I'm sure you there isn't. You do, but you certainly have to be conscious and aware of, of, of them because, you know, anybody who's in child psychology will tell you, particularly in those informative years, the zero to seven, any, any, um, a trauma that a child has that that kind of lasts forever so if it's not dealt with in the, in the same way you know it's bottled up and it come it'll come out eventually one way or the other through through um behavioral issues or or whatever it is so so of course we're terrified of this and all we could do was was get some advice and the advice was you've you've you know tell them as much truth as you possibly can spare them the goriness or and mm. the unnecessary information that that's needed to be to be there so harry was six and a half and robbie was one so robbie hadn't a clue what was going on he was just smiling away and he was definitely a source of bundle of energy for us so our focus was on harry number one now we didn't have any teenagers i can only imagine how difficult it is for them and it's talking for us, it was talking, talking about Adam, talking about how Harry was feeling. So it started off, we just told Harry what had happened. Um, we came home from the hospital and we sat him down and we went, Adam had him arrived back because we, we we brought Adam back to the to the house for the two days of, of, of mourning before we buried him or before his funeral. Um, and he... He um so what we said to Harry was Adam got sick in his head. Um it was a very serious sickness in his head. It's called cancer, and we didn't know anything about it. And the headache that he had the last, you know, last week is what it was. And the doctors tried to do everything they could to save him. And but they couldn't, and Adam, Adam, is, he died. So Adam is dead. Now, do you understand what that means, Harry? And you know, his shock was to his eyes welled up, and his his instant reaction was to hug us. Um, whether he he wanted to hug us because we lost Adam or because he needed one, it was probably both. Um, and he said, "Yeah," and I said, "Now." That means you're never, ever going to see him again. You will never see Adam again. He he is gone. He is dead. The doctors tried everything that they could. But it, he will always live inside you. And to this day, I said something to Harry. It was probably after that moment, probably a week later, we were out um, just going for a walk. And of course, you're always talking to him about Adam. And I said... You're very lucky, Harry, because you've known Adam and you've had this very special brother that you loved. He is now an angel, but he's always going to be whispering. <sighs> he will always whisper in your ear. He will always guide you. He will always protect you. And you just have to listen to him. You're not necessarily going to hear him, but when you think of him and think about the things that he will want for you, 
that's all you need to know. Um, and <laughs> it's funny how, so that was when Adam was, or when Harry was six and a half years of age. Now, rolling forward, he is now 22. So it, Harry is very driven. He 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 is um, very self-conscious. And one of the things that he did was, I said, Harry, when you go and get your leading search results, I want you to go over to Adam's bench. We have a bench down in British Bay. And I said, go over to Adam's bench there and open your leading search results there. So off he goes and he opens his, his results. And he's a little bit disappointed because he wanted to do a particular course in Trinity, which he, he didn't get. And he went, I can't believe my art was, was so low. And I went, okay, Harry, so you wanted to go and do this thing in Trinity. It's it's in town and it's four years. And you want to do, um, you want, or you can do commerce in UCD, which is three years and it's up the road from you. So you opened it up there in Adam's bench. So, so that that's him kind of minding you. Anyway, so I sat with him down and he said, oh yeah, you're right, Dad, or whatever. So he, he 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 was uh, you know he said okay we'll do, we'll do the commerce then he got his his paper checked his art his art went up and he was offered his first choice which he didn't take now to this day with what he's doing he's he's flying it he's he's got this amazing job already lined up and so on so the point that I'm trying to make from something that was positive and and how we said something earlier in a positive way and an inspirational way and how everything that we've done like I became I you know I kind of replaced Adam for Harry as well I'd be there playing the Lego Star Wars with him and I remember that to this day and we play doubles and you know I'd be behind you and look so Harry had this sense of that uh, Adam uh, Adam was with him by the way we we restricted the amount of time that was on because that's that's another conversation on, <laughs> on game time and all the rest. So, but the, the point I'm really trying to say, and I'm taking a long time to say it, is that what we said and how we handled it, Harry is very positive, very happy, and we're so proud of him and how well he's doing and how he's handled himself throughout his his life ever since. So again, sorry about the long answers to these questions. I love a long story. answer. I yeah, love yeah, a long yeah. I'm I'm like, take me right back to the very yeah. first moment you felt anything. I I yeah. look, you can't you can't summarize these things. They're massive life events. And yeah, the I think the quality of a podcast is that you 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 get to you get to hear it all, you get to hear yeah. that meaning. It's not I don't want the sound bites of of that. There's the this, yeah. it's the lessons, it's the lessons that we learn. And even as you were saying that. You know, as you said, he came into this life with this this light and he left yeah. with that light. And if we believe, if we yeah. if we are open to believing that we can still allow them to be part of us. Yeah. And, and as you said, like whisper in your ear and say, yeah. you know, to guide you in a sense. Yeah. I myself. Well, I know what I I would want to be open to that, but maybe anger would get in the way too. Yeah, yeah, and, re and resentment and kind of you know, yeah, anger. 
Look, there, there, there's all, you know, the seven stages of grief. And um, I started writing a blog about it and I went, you know, you can you can go through stages. Um, I we, we, we probably skipped a few of these stages ourselves because for me, look, we, we kind of knew, not that we knew, when we were going out for our walks and the happiest family on the planet and we had Harry, Adam and, and Robbie at one and we had our three boys and we were out all the time and we were having a great time and, you know, I'd I'd work but and I'd work hard, but weekends were for family and that was it. Socialising was, yeah, we can socialise, but it can't interfere with our trip up to the top of the Sugarloaf on a Saturday morning or a trip to the park or doing the kids with, with rugby and all that kind of stuff. And that was my decision. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm not telling everyone you can't go out. That was just what we did. That was our first priority. I took a very logical view on this. Okay. So, but well, there's a couple of things. One, look what I have, not what I've lost. Look what I had and how lucky I was to have that. Look at how happy Adam was and how I have to live my life for him. I have to live his life for him. Um, and how can I do that? I can I can help somehow. I can just be a nice person. I can you know try and change the world. I can write a book um, and or I can just focus in on making sure that my other children are are happy and put all my energies into that. So we probably did a little bit of all of that. The anger side of it is like logically, you know, well, it happens every single day. You know, and um, nobody's ever going to get through life without grief, whether it's, you know, a parent, a brother, a sister, a son or a daughter, an auntie and uncle. Now, when you lose a four year old, they say, you know, it's the worst pain you could ever imagine, which, of course, it is. But that's not any worse pain from a wife or a husband or or a mum or a dad. You know, the, 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 the impact is no different. The pain is no different. Um, it's not supposed to happen that, you know, a four year old boy is running around a field one day and then cancer takes him three days later and you knew nothing about it. That's not supposed to happen. So you can get angry about that if you want. But for me, it's like that's not going to help this situation. Now, I screamed at the sea. I the profanities that I would have shouted out would have been. Um, and yes, you could say that that's anger, but it's 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 a kind of a ah shit like what what's happened? I don't know if it's an anger. It's like it's it's grief. It's 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 pain. It's anguish, and it's just got to come out somewhere. So the logical way, the only logical way to look at this is that we had Adam. He was incredible. We loved him so much. Um, and I am not going to disrespect isn't the right word, but I'm not going to remember him by being angry. And um, I'm going to remember him and live for him and make him. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make him proud of me 
and his mum is going to make him proud of her and his sister and brother are going to make him proud. And and that's his legacy, not the books, not, uh, you know, the message is, is one thing, but what makes him proud of us is how we've handled ourselves and how we have fought beyond any fight that you could ever imagine to make that happen because it's not an easy fight. It's a cancer fight. It's just a different medicine and it's a different state of mind and strength that you need to do it. And I often talk about people would say, you know, time is a great healer. And of course it is. But with that sentence, my experience has taught me to add on to that is that, but you have to wind your own watch because an old watch stops ticking if you don't wind it. And your life is going to stop if you don't wind it, if you don't do things. So what we've always said is, you know, you life is that journey. And, you know, you're, people will talk about this pit. You're in a pit of tar and it's, it's a greasy round well that's, you know, a hundred feet up to a spot of light at the top. And you're going, how the hell am I going to, you know, get up there? And how you get up there is one, you can decide to grab a rope and start pulling yourself up. But you can't grab the rope and be hoisted up by you've got to climb that rope yourself. You can try and put your feet against one side of the wall and your hands at the other and climb up. And you're going to fall back down because it's a slippery wall. You're going to fall down a lot. But each time you try it, you get a little bit further up that. And eventually <laughs> you pop your head out at the top of that well and you go, there's a beautiful world out there. But you know what? It looks a hell of a lot different now than it ever did before. <laughs> the trees are pink. The sky is purple. The sea is yellow. You know, it's that kind of a word. It's a brand new word. And you've got to you've got to figure out, you know, you've got to really immerse yourself or reacquaint yourself with things. And um, and you go, everything is very strange. And, you know, is that a tree or what is it? Is that tree poisonous? You know, is, is that flower a nice flower? And because everything looks different. And this is all metaphorically speaking. But but then you get out there and you know, you grab your family's hand and you you just walk. You keep going. And you keep going. And then you smile. And you smile again. And you have a good day. And then you fall down. And then you have another good day. And you smile. And um, then, you know, you, you hug and you love and you shout and you scream. And you cry and you do all of those things. But every time you do one of those, it peels back one of those layers. Those, I often talk about, you know, one of Adam's favourite movies was Shrek. And one of the lines <laughs> is, you're so layered, you're so wrapped up and layered on your boy, you're afraid of your own feelings. And grief for me is like, when tragedy happens, the way I experience it, you're... Your your brain wraps itself in a million layers of protective bandaging because otherwise your brain's going to explode and you're just not going to be able to cope. So 
this co- kind of coping coping mechanism kicks in. And grief for me is about ripping off one of those layers one by one. And it's very painful and it's very sore and it lasts for a while. But once you've ripped off a layer, then everything calms down until you're ready to rip off the next layer. And that's why everyone talks about the first week being so hard, the first birthday, the first anniversary, you know, the first day that he should have been in school. All of those things, the first Christmas, the first Easter, the first Halloween, you know, all of those things that you remember when you dressed up and Christmas presents and Easter eggs. And look, it goes on. Ripping off those layers is so painful and so emotive. And then you get into the second year and you're ripping off more layers again as you remember and you experience new things. Oh, God, he would have been doing this or he would have been doing that. So that's been our experience of of grief. It's ripping off layers. It's fighting every day. And it's having the strength and energy to hold each other's hands, walk out your door of grief, walk to the bus stop and get the next bus that's going to take you out of there. But you can't get on that bus unless you walk out the door and you can't get to the bus unless you walk to it. And sometimes getting outside your door is the hardest job of all. And that's one thing I said, get out the door as quick as we can. And that's what we did all together. So the the process of expressing emotion, mm. as you said, whether it is screaming profanities or finding the courage to laugh again. Mm. What was it to write? Oh so it it's funny how with my first book, Before You Sleep, a lot of people say, oh, my God, every time I read that book, <laughs> I get really emotional. And these are people who don't even know the story about Adam. Whatever it is about Before You Sleep, particularly at the end of it, um, both dads and mums, they get very uh, emotion because it's a powerful book of bonding and expressing love and and togetherness and the only way talking about emotion is that there's enough tears for a billion trillion books to be read and there's enough tears to be shed by a trillion billion people because that's the number of tears that were shed when I was (laughs) when I was writing it And I wrote that not for Adam. I wrote that for the children and for the mums and dads. Because the emotion that I felt of writing it is that, so my experience with Adam and the time that I spent and the importance of spending the time and telling him that he's loved, if the idea of another family reading this book and a child sitting in a bed with mom and dad's arms around them, the sound of their voice, the warmth of their embrace, the beat of their heart, the security of being under those blankets. I always read under the blankets with them. And, and the idea of, a, of, of that happening because of Adam, and that's why I wrote it, wasn't 
for or to remember Adam. It was inspired by him, but the book was written to create that moment. And for me, for a child to have done that because of Adam, the emotion of that was huge. Um, obviously, I was thinking of all the things that I did and with the book, all the things I'll never be able to do with Adam that are in that book of I can't go to the beach anymore. Um, you know, there's another line of if we were in a rocket ship, you know, there's there's a good chance that we'll all be flying around rocket ships and going to Mars before we know where we are. So all of his future was gone. And that was that was a motive. Um, and then some of the other books, what well, the, the beauty of it was there as I went on to the adventure books that have Harry, Adam, Molly and Robbie in it. Um, the beauty about that is I always hear Adam's voice because when I'm writing his his dialogue and what he says, I'm brought right back to him. And so the emotion kind of left, and but the happiness then took over and the smiles and, and you know, the beauty and, and the gift that I have been given, which is Adam and his inspiration has been incredible. So for me, that was my, now other people will go and climb a mountain. Other people will run around the world or row the Atlantic. And other people will just go and they'll, they'll, you know, do a 5K walk and raise 50 grand or whatever. It doesn't, so the size of any of these things do, doesn't really matter. It's a lot of people will just go and do something to remember them. And my biggest message actually to anybody um, listening is that never, ever, ever feel guilty for being happy and living your life because as a state of mind, you're doing it for them. You're being happy for them. You're smiling for them. You have to live their happiness. You have to, you have to spread their, their love and their spirit everywhere. Um, so the fear and hope and the despair um, that, that grief or the, the, the lack of hope that grief gives. Um, what I want to say is that there is hope and there is a wonderful, beautiful, magical life that is you, you have you experience everything differently. And when you have a nice moment or the sun in your face or you know the rain on your skin or the sound of a tree, that's Adam is there. That's his spirit everywhere. And I will always smile for that. And and um and that's what's always given us that strength to keep on going. And it's 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 wonderful and it's 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 a gift. And the experience of gratitude um and um and peace is multiplied more than any other mere mortal will ever have. Because when you go through something like this, when you have a moment of 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 pure, you know spiritual interactions with nature and allow yourself to have those the feed the euphoric feeling is is just multiplied by infinity and that's the gift that grief can give you if you go and find it and 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 search for it and fight for it molly never walked this land with her big brother no when she came along because you spoke so beautifully about the impact and I suppose the the impact, but also the protection mm -hmm. that you had to place for certainly his older brother. 
who had that bond. What is it to have a, a sibling arrive into the family unit, another change, another, you know, another yeah. burst of energy? Yeah. How do you, I'm sure the books obviously help, but how do you support her in feeling like she knows yeah. her big brother? So, um, Molly, you know, we have this chat with Molly all the time is that, you know, the, the reason why she's here because we were essentially saying, right, three, that's, you know, it's very expensive, three children, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So, um, so the first part of it, it, it was part of our fight. So I started writing, writing the books and, um, and it's funny, we asked, you know, we asked kind of, you know, our guy who delivered uh, Robbie, you know, should should we go again? Like, what should we do? And the advice there was, oh, you should give it time and don't make any rash decisions. And and a few people said, oh, just make, you know, take your time because you're grieving and whatever. And we went to hell with that. We're going right now. Um, it, it's, you know, you don't know what's going to be in store. So it is it is a brave kind of decision. And we went. Time you know, isn't always your friend when it comes to yeah, seeking yeah. out your fourth baby. Yeah, but also conception can lead to, you know, anything, you know, you know, you just don't know what, you know, the next tragedy is going to hit. Yeah. Um, what what grief it might bring what, in. What grief it could bring. So we just went, we're taken back here. It was never a case of of um, replacing Adam in any way, but it's like, you know, we want our family back and <laughs> we're just going to punch grief in the face with this and go, you're not, we're, <laughs> you know, you're not taking us down. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'd like to actually meet grief himself in some sort of form that you could just, you know, have it out with them in the ring because that's what it is. So um, we went for it and it was a really, it was a really difficult pregnancy for, um, for, for Jackie. I mean, grief and sciatica and all of the bits that go, she was never, you know, you know, she always had a difficult pregnancy. It was never this glowing, wonderful, <laughs> as, I, as I see so many people. It often isn't. I kind of go, are you okay, sit down. They're going, no, I'm running a marathon next week. And I kind of go, that is not the experience that we had. But um, so when when uh, when Molly, when the, the our first scan arrived, of course, we went up to my mum and dad because like, you know, grief ripples out through the whole family. And um, and and they're grieving for us and Adam. So they're looking at us going, what can we do? And it's all it's it's horrific, it's horrific for them. So um we had our, our scan and uh, we went up to my mum and dad. <laughs> and we showed them the picture of Molly's scan. And I mean, the happy, the happiness. I mean, we're only, what, six months gone from, from uh, Adam, if even, after we lost him. And here we are with new life. Um, and we were lucky. We were very, very lucky. Not everyone has that opportunity. So, you know, um, this is this is just our our journey and how we fought it. But for my mum and dad to see that and the happiness that it brought 
Molly immediately brought such happiness and she wasn't even here. So obviously when she was born, um, huge emotion and huge gratitude and huge thanks and what a gift and it's from Adam. And as she got older then and, you know, uh, she could start understanding Adam was always in her life. Um, and she was a wonderful little sister for Robbie and the two of them you know, are like that because the age, well, there's only two years between them. So Adam or Robbie and, and Molly, you know, they have such a strong relationship and it was lovely then for Harry then to have, you know, somebody else because there was quite a gap between Harry and Robbie. There was uh, five years between them. So the reason why I'm I'm laboring on this story is because, you know, you were talking about how do we explain her older brother? Well, the first thing that we say that she has. <laughs> she has uh, Adam's eyes because when he was going up. She was going down. And she's the only one who actually saw him along the way. So we always say to her that she has met him. Um, and she was just, you know, so young and so small and, you know, whether you believe in heaven or whatever. But, you know, when, when she was in heaven, um, she was coming down and she met Robbie. Or she met Adam, he smiled at her and, and that's why she has his eyes. And, and that's a lovely connection that I know that she kind of feels very special and happy about and then as I'm writing the books the books the adventure books are all inspired by Molly and, and Robbie and Harry and the adventures that they go on so the lives that they had and the fun that we had and the adventures we went on a family are all in those books and um, so you know I'm reading the books to the kids myself even before there's an illustration and uh, and they go they're, they're just going on their adventures with, with Adam so Leaving the books to one side, that's how we, we've always spoke. Um, uh, we have this thing in the house of, you know, the way, did you take that? No, no, we didn't. And we go, swear not in soul. And no, it's an awful <laughs> thing. But it's become a thing in our house of, you know, and so, and we, you know, as parents, we don't ask them very often. It'd be a very serious thing. It's like, you know, you know, and uh, it, it, they know that, we have them then so we have to be very careful on on on, on how, how you we, use it yeah and because uh, you kind of go look we're your parents we're here to help you you know and guide you and you're going to make mistakes so we're going to talk this out you know so um so just tell us the truth and we can help that's that's all you got to do and and if if you did something bold you're going to get your punishment and um you know and then we're gonna you're going to learn from it and um so all of those things are how Molly became part of the the uh, the, the family and the you know, crew, the crew exactly. <laughs> of course, I've often heard the saying that you know you you die twice, mm. once when you physically leave, and once yeah. when the world stops saying your name. Yeah, you've created a wonderful legacy, mm. but more than that, you've written books for parents. And that's how I feel it. Like when I sit down to read those books, there's so many books, obviously, for my children. Yeah. But, this, but these are books that, and that's why probably you get so so many messages about emotion. When I read them, it's channeling what I want 
to say and feel to my children about my children in a way that I often can't have. I just don't have the headspace. I don't have the words. But you've created a lasting legacy of positivity, of connection, of joy, of living simple moments. And they are the things that as a parent are so easily forgotten, but are the things that I want to cling on to. Mm. And so just by opening those pages, it's, it's such a gift to just be able to do it. You channeled your grief through it and you lived the decision you made, which was to step back out there and to live. I started by saying thank you. I want to finish by saying thank you. And I do genuinely mean it. You've helped hundreds of thousands of us at this stage. And you've helped even more today with this episode, this conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Gold Ribbon Conversation. There are more Gold Ribbon stories written by those fighting childhood cancer on our website, childhoodcancer.ie, and you'll find a link in our show notes. If you can, we would love you to share this podcast across social media using hashtag Gold Ribbon Conversations as it can help more families to discover this show. This podcast was produced by The Brand Story for Childhood Cancer Ireland, hosted by Sinead O'Moore and sound production by Alan Breslin.